the battle to end all battles. The destroyer to end all destroyers. It's time to shed a tear in Godzilla versus Destoroya. your preamble on it no tears are going to be involved oh man tears are definitely involved in this last film from the heisei era alex <laughs> no did you actually have tears eric or did you uh i didn't but i i know m- many fans i've heard from many different fans that they have shed a tear in this specific film so i know it is possible yeah i didn't really see it the first time i watched it but the second time I saw a little bit of the emotion that could capture people and take them on that emotional journey of crying for a monster that's killed thousands and thousands of people. Definitely. Speaking of crying, can you hear my daughter crying in the background, Alex? I'm going to turn up my volume real quick. Never mind. She's quiet. (laughs) (laughs) Did you listen to the end of the Mothra episode? (laughs) Uh, no, no, I di- haven't listened to the end of it yet. Oh well, it's a it's a journey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, w- <laughs> welcome back to the Monsters vs Men podcast, where we're trying our best to stay alive. Joining me today, mm-hmm. Godzilla has melted corpse, Eric Neely. <laughs> this is me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Of, of the analogies we've made in the past, I'll, I'll take Godzilla's melted corpse. My favorite. My favorite is still last week's, but, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, real quick, before we get into this week's film, Alex, I wanted to give a quick shout out to the Kaiju Weekly podcast. Um, Travis, one of the co-hosts of that podcast, as well as Michael, he's from, he's like the leader of the Kaiju Groupie Facebook and Twitter pages. Mm -hmm. Both of those guys, they're weekly listeners to the podcast, and they actually reviewed our show on episode 11 of their podcast. Michael, he was actually the winner of our first Monsterpiece Theater drawing, and he reviewed that as well on the show, and he posted a picture of him on social media. So I was super grateful to them for doing that. Uh, I just thought it was really cool to hear them gush about our podcast. I was really appreciative of that. That was really cool. And Michael was super nice to Theo on the podcast. So I just wanted to say a quick thank you. And you know we did get some listener feedback. We've been we've been asking listeners to tell us where we've been wrong. And Travis from Kaiju Weekly had a couple notes on our Mothra episode that he wanted to share. If you remember, I couldn't remember the actor's name who won my "Can't Believe That" acting award. Yeah. Um, and he believes, and I looked it up, and I think he's right. It's Akiji Kobayashi who also played roles in Ultra Q and Ultraman. Uh, I wasn't sure at first, but I looked him up, and I was like, "Yep." That's the guy. And <laughs> you know who else we forgot to mention in that episode is Akira Takarada. Like, oh. I didn't, and, and to be honest, I didn't recognize him. He had aged so much since his last appearance. I didn't recognize him at all. But, you know, he has two of my favorite characters from the Showa era, Ichiro uh, from Mothra vs. Godzilla and Yoshimura from Ebra, Horror of the Deep, who, if you remember, Alex, won my coolest character award in the Showa era showdown. But man, did you recognize? I didn't recognize him. Uh, I I did not. I didn't even pick up that he was even in it. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, he was like the other. He was. He's not the main general, you know, that we've seen throughout the Heisei era. 
but he's the other guy in in the room. Yeah, I know. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. The other thing I mentioned, uh, you know, my uh, oh, that's a good shot award. I mem- mentioned the toy Godzilla right there in the foreground. Yeah. And what Travis said is, you know, this is actually a running gag in the yeah, Heisei it's films. in all of them. And I, I've, I, to be honest, I haven't noticed noticed oh. it in any films except for that one. And I really like how it's done in that in uh, Godzilla versus Mothra. But I did recognize it here in Godzilla versus Destroya. Yeah, there, there's a toy Godzilla in every single movie at some point, and it's pretty visible, so you don't have to look too hard. But now that you know, when if you do go back and watch them. Yeah, there, there's one every single one of them. It's pretty cool. Right. Maybe this, maybe that one stood out to me because it, just of its location and the irony of it in that moment. That's probably why it stood out to me right there. It wasn't just like this toy in the background somewhere, you know? Yeah, so. no, exactly. <laughs> um, but let's get into this week's film. Alex, you want to start us off with our film introduction? Takao Akawara returns to direct the final film of the Heisei era, Godzilla vs. Destoroya. Marketed in Japan as the film where Godzilla dies, the film lives up to its reputation, bringing back several old faces, callbacks to characters from the 1954 original, and even the Oxygen Destroyer itself. With the nostalgia factor cranked up to 11, will Godzilla still be a royal after he meets Destoroya? <laughs> And more importantly, your question from last week, Eric, when the Heisei era hits its climax, will the series peak or suffer drawbacks? Well, Alex, I I don't (laughs) think this is the peak of the Heisei era, Um, but I don't think it's the low point either. To be honest, I'm still trying to figure out exactly how I feel about this film. Uh, We watched it together last weekend. I rewatched it again the day before we've recorded this podcast. So it's fresh in my mind. And I think here's what it comes down to for me. I think this film has maybe the most potential of any other Heisei film, but unfortunately I don't feel like it lives up to that potential. The first hour sets up so many interesting questions and interesting concepts, but the last 45 minutes, it kind of abandons those concepts in favor of monster action, which I did like the monster action overall, but it didn't fulfill the promise of that first hour. What about you? What are your gut feelings? Yeah, I'm I'm a little I'm leaning a lot the same way. I rewatched the film like literally right before we record in order to kind of better understand how I felt. And frankly, I'm like you. I'm still not sure how I feel. I'm I I'm like you in that I like how much it sets up in that first hour. There's a lot of interesting questions, a lot of moral conundrums. Do you bring the Oxygen Destroyer back to possibly kill Godzilla, or do you leave it where it belongs? And I'm not sure that it does fulfill its promises at the end, but unlike you, I do think that it it delivers on some of its points, at least towards the end. I think it does, but I do think that there are a lot of missed opportunities from a storytelling standpoint, and I think you could have made uh, Desitoroya a maybe even a bigger threat than Godzilla mm-hmm. because honestly I felt like Godzilla could have won that fight if he hadn't, you know, <laughs> had a meltdown at the end. <laughs> uh, I really do want to again kind of emphasize that I really like the oxygen destroyer has ramifications. These unintended consequences that even Sirizawa didn't see coming. Yeah, he saw man mishandling it, but he didn't see nature mishandling it, which is kind of surprising because he saw he saw nature 
kind of take a hold of man's error in the original film, but he didn't see it coming this time. And he made something almost worse than Godzilla in a lot of ways. Also kind of light, kind of going back to some of these throwbacks that we mentioned is I like that we get to see Amiko back at it again. Mm. And she is vehemently against the oxygen destroyer. The thing that pretty much saved Japan uh, back then because it took the life of one of her love interests, which I still don't buy that part of the love interest, but you could tell that she's genuinely sad. And this Amiko, she's got a lot better acting chops than the previous Amiko. <laughs> she really she sells her does. role in this one. I, I was pretty impressed by her, but her logic doesn't really hold up, especially when the entire planet is at stake in two different Godzilla meltdown or explosion scenarios. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, and as I said, I love some of those points that are brought up in the first hour, some that you were mentioning. Like, things like, you know, when the world is at stake, should we still stand by our anti-nuclear ethics or our anti-oxygen destroyer ethics? Um, does sentimentality get in the way of rationality, both in science and in the media? Um, Dr. Ijuin, uh, instead of being the usual doomsayer scientist we've grown accustomed to, he actually reverses that role in this film. And he becomes the optimistic believer in science and humanity. In this role, Ijuin's back and forth with your curry, uh, you know, uh, related to Dr. Yamane, yeah. it became a nice foil to Serizawa and Amiko's conversations from 1954. And as you mentioned about Amiko, you know, in her conversations with Kinkichi, her nephew and Dr. Yamane's grandson, it also inverses her role from the original because she's urging Kinkichi not to use the oxygen destroyer if it comes to that. Yeah. Did you enjoy those tiebacks to the original, Alex? Yeah, I really enjoyed the tiebacks. Uh, you and me actually watched the watched this together the first time around. And you and me both kind of commented on how nice it was to see something so directly tied to the original. It was nice to see these people again. Like I said, it was it was actually nice to see Amiko again, which mm-hmm. I didn't think I would say uh, after the original because I thought she was the weakest part of the original film. But seeing her really brought up some interesting emotions and seeing her vehemently disagreeing with the use or even like any use of Oxygen Destroyer really kind of like, uh, yeah, you, she's probably right. Like This thing's pretty bad. And I like that we even learned that if the oxygen destroyer hadn't been used in water and it was used above ground, would have just laid waste to Japan. Like, mm-hmm. it's just that powerful. I just like that there are implications from the first film that have finally reared their head and are making an impact. And that impact is Destoroya. And he's, I don't know how you felt about him, but I really did like him. And I really like that yeah. it pays off with Tokyo becoming uninhabitable at the very end of the film. Because of Godzilla's meltdown. No, for sure, for sure. Yeah, let's get into those monsters. I I have some issues, as I said, with the film that I'd like to talk about and kind of grapple with for a second. But before we do that, let's talk about those monsters, as you mentioned, Alex. So I'm going to ask you about a monster. I want you to give me your kind of gut reaction to these different monsters, okay? Okay. First one, Godzilla Jr., Yes, I really like him. He, he's he's really cool. Uh, I like that he looks like Godzilla, but just different enough that he's, if you held up like the older Godzilla before he was on fire, you could tell 
a similarity, but they're clearly almost two different creatures. I like that how green he is. Yeah, that shot um, that shows both of them in the same screen was mm-hmm. a, a high candidate for my camp. Or oh, that's a good shot award. Um, but yeah, I love how green and he almost feels reptilian. You know, yeah, especially in contrast to the red uh, and and like the the mass of Destoroya. He's kind of lean and green. And reptilian. It's my favorite iteration of a smaller Godzilla that we've gotten so far. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. He's a big, he's a big improvement. And, uh, that's the one good thing of, of the, about the death of birth Island was that we get a beautiful baby Godzilla. <laughs> this is true. Uh, next monster burning Godzilla. One of my all time favorite designs and just effects in general. I mean, that thing is awesome. Like, really cool. Like, the the smoke and his beating heart lighting up the entire suit is just so... Ah, dude, it's so cool. And his red eyes. His red <laughs> eyes. They're just... Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm 100% with you. 100% with you on that one. I think it's a super cool design. Probably my favorite look of the Heisei era for Godzilla. All right, next one. How about the Predator Destroyers, Alex? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I already know your feelings on this because I could tell when we were watching it. Like, this is definitely an, an this film definitely inspired by those eighties, seventies, and eighties hits, Alien and Predator. You you actually are the one that pointed out the Predator mouth before the Alien mouth came out. <laughs> yeah, and <clears throat> it definitely that aspect feels like a ripoff, but. The rest of the design I really liked. I mean, I didn't. I, I'm still a little mixed on the scene where all the military go into uh, to fight them, but I like I like their their design in general. Now the execution may be something a little lacking, but I kind of liked them. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I didn't like those. I think you already knew that whenever we watched it the first <laughs> yeah. time. Um, but you're right. That scene where the military goes in. It's almost like to a mall or something. I, what was that place? I, you know, I don't, it's not a mall, but it's a, it's a, it's an industrial. It's probably like a factory. It's more like yeah. Well, it's, it you're right. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, they go into that building, and there is that horror like element that we felt in the 1984 Return of Godzilla. Yeah. Um, but my issue with it is that there's not much. There's not really a purpose to it. Now, some of the filmmaking is actually pretty good there. I like it. Some of the angles and the lighting, it creates a sense of tension. Yeah. Or it could create a sense of tension, I should say, if <laughs> there were stakes involved, right? Yeah. The only time stakes become involved is when we get Yukari in the car in that scene after, directly after. Yeah. And so I could see a justification for that scene being like, oh, this is just showing how dangerous the Destroya are in order to build the stakes for when we see Yukari in the car a little bit later on. Yeah. My counterpoint to that would be like, yeah, but do we need like 10 minutes of it? It's a long, <laughs> it's a long scene. It's a and little like long. Starting to, I'm a little, starting to fade a little bit there. I was like, yeah. oh man, let's get, let's move on. Let's get this story moving. Yeah. You know? the, the, the problem I had with that scene really was that. I like that it's illustrating that there's a ton of these things. It's not just one. It's a ton of these things. But the problem is with the close quarters of all the fighting and all these things busting through walls, we don't know how many there are. I'm like, is that the same one that just killed that other group of guys or is this a new one? And we don't really catch that till they exit. And then it's like, oh, there's a bunch, but 
it it is a bit of a waste of time in terms of the amount spent on it. No, I, I agree. You know, it felt like just a, just a microcosm of John Wick three, Alex. <laughs> oh, don't even. Oh my god, <laughs> no way. But I did like the bigger version of the Predator Destroyer. Thank you for agreeing with me, Alex. No, no. <laughs> last, hey, all right. Let's, before we get into a John Wick three debate, last kaiju. How about the our last monster? How about the kaiju version? Destroya. Now, are you talking about the one that fights Godzilla? Uh, what do they call him in this? Godzilla Junior. Junior. Yeah. Well, there are two forms, right? There's right. the like first version kaiju, and then the ultimate version kaiju Destroya. Yeah. I'm talking kind of both of them. Like, which one did you like more? Maybe. Well, overall, I like the the biggest one, like the Destroya. <laughs> I like him the most, <laughs> but. The the first the first iteration is just a giant of what you're calling the Predator Destroyer, but the way that his limbs work are is it completely different, and his ability to transform into other to a flying form and stuff is pretty cool. It makes him pretty unique. I really like that effect of him. But the big one, and you know, I'm actually gonna I was actually gonna go ahead and talk about this anyway, but. One of the things I didn't like about uh, Desitroya's design was that, so he's got these spikes around his knees, right? But they look like his feet. So it looks like he's got feet, leg, and then feet. <laughs> on the and it's like, it's the oddest design for the bottom half of his, like, the, the bottom half of his legs. It's just odd because I think the rest of the design is like, this really interesting experiment and just complete excess. <laughs> like mm-hmm. Every part of the design is just turned up to 11 to a point. It doesn't really even need to be at, but it makes it really fun. And overall, besides the legs, I really did like, uh, I guess, just to throw a prime, I guess I could call them. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Well, I, no, I, uh, actually like the smaller kaiju form that battles junior it's it's different enough it doesn't feel like the predator anymore alex (laughs) Uh, and it does have that cool like flying through the air uh but the 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 face is different and here's what i like about it i love that he literally attacks godzilla jr with the predator mouth he does or no the the alien alien mouth mouth. you're right he does (laughs) he does but the the face shape is different the face shape is different but here's what here's what i like about that version how red it is, it just creates a cool contrast, yeah. right? Um, it also has cool powers. Like, yeah, the mouth thing is a little unoriginal, probably. But I like the um, like the slice that it has and the uh, like the little claw thing that comes out of them to grab Godzilla Jr. by the neck, right? Uh, those are cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those are cool effects uh, that I thought were pretty neat. Yeah, I think, I think that claw thing was his tail. Actually, because yeah, I know right. that the adult yeah. version also uses his tail to grab the bigger Godzilla. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> but I thought I thought that whole fight was pretty cool. I mean, I like that we see Godzilla Junior die, and there's like it's kind of sad. Like Godzilla Junior dying has a lot more implications than Big Godzilla, you know. Mm-hmm. And I actually like the final part of that entire scene where. Uh, Baby Godzilla, he's back. He's back with that really awesome shot at the very end. I just, 
there's some really cool moments in that final battle, but it does drop the human characters quite a bit. No, I, I agree. Was there anything that sold the sold the final battle for you, or just like the movie in general? I think Akira Ifukube's score ties this movie together with a different person composing the music. I actually think a lot of this would work even less, right? Yeah. So the first thing, the initial battle between Super X Three and Godzilla, I love the way that Ifukube's score subtly transitions between X3 and Godzilla's themes as the battle shifts back and forth between the two. Yeah, It's very subtle, but it works perfectly. And the X3 theme is much better than <laughs> the theme we've heard in the past. It's like Superman meets Back to the Future, yeah. right? It's, it's like much more subtle. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then as Godzilla rises for the finale of his final showdown, you know, the theme slowly builds as the camera pans through the landscape of the city, an effect we've seen now in most of the films since Terror of Mechagodzilla, but the way that it just slowly builds, it builds that tension. And then lastly, that final number used at the film's end, whenever we see Godzilla's uh, death, you know, we see him uh, melt. It's that same motif that was mm-hmm. featured in the flashbacks of 1954 Godzilla's death by Oxygen Destroyer. Oh. So it ties all the way back to the beginning of the film. And I think it's just a beautiful and haunting score. Lastly, I do want to mention uh, a couple spiritual aspects of the film. I completely missed the first time around. I don't know if you noticed this. I'm not a big fan of, of how the smaller Destroyers become Kaiju Destroyer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand the physics there. But at that point, when they when they do that, you know, they do it and they literally destroy this church, right? They destroy a church and you see this cross fly up in the air, destroyed. I was like, that's interesting. Like, that's interesting detail to include here. And I completely missed it. And then in order to save basically the world, we get Miki um, and her sidekick, Psychic, <laughs> Say that quick. Yeah. Like, Her sidekick, sidekick. They join hands. You know, they're in that helicopter and they're going to redirect Godzilla Jr. into Destroya's path. They join hands. They close their eyes in order to change the path of Godzilla Jr. It uh-huh. implicitly brings up some very interesting questions about the ethics and divine intervention, in my opinion. Even though they're using psychic powers, you can't deny the imagery of that closing eyes, joining hands, almost prayer-like scene. And then the final lines of the movie, I watched two different subs. Like the first movie we watched, like the first time we watched it. I watched two different subs too. Yeah. Yeah. And the first one, the first one asked, is this atonement? Like Godzilla destroying and leaving Tokyo in, you know, utter ruin. (laughs) It asked, is this atonement for Japan? And, and the world sins. Mm-hmm. And then the second one, it was, is this punishment for Tokyo and the world sins? I was like, that's an interesting yeah. distinction there. But it makes a big difference in how you view the end. Do you view it as atonement or punishment? What do you think, Alex? You know, for all the things that G-Force in particular had been doing with Godzilla and just mankind's general negligence in regards to anything kaiju related i'd say Mm -hmm. it's i'd say it's probably more atonement because they're they're kind of 
I don't know if they're being punished as much as they're having to make something right and in doing so having to sacrifice Tokyo. Yeah. So I'd say atonement. Nice. What about you? Well, I don't I'm not sure if I really don't know. <laughs> but if there are any if there are any Japanese experts out there that think they they have the right word, is it punishment or is it atonement? It makes a difference here. Um, let us know. Send us an email, send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. You know who else I'd love to hear from, Alex? Uh, Godzilla Jr. Yometer, Yometer, And welcome back to another Theometer. We're here with Theo today, aka the Theometer himself. Are you ready to go, Theo? Yeah. All right. Now we've got a special movie this week. Can you say Destoroya? Destoroya. Can you say it like this? Destoroya. Destoroya. Nice. I like it. So here we go. Uh, we're going to take a look. First off, I want you to tell me how does Destoroya look? Uh, 61,000. Well, that, that didn't make much sense. But That means 61,000 million galdards. Galdards? Yeah. Wow, yeah. Galdards means like dig underground five times. Well, what's he doing right there? Uh, trick himself. What's he doing? Sliding down like, like somebody like Godzilla would do. Well, he's. It looks like he's dragging Godzilla by the neck. Yeah. Oh my. What does he look like? Almost fell out of his chair. <laughs> I was so scared. <laughs> so, how scary do you think Destoroya is? Uh, sixty-one thousand and sixty-one thousand. Gordas? Is that what it was? Gordas. Uh, I don't know, actually. I forgot. Anything, any final words to say to the audience? Uh, see you next week. Maybe. Maybe. Peace out. Peace out. You know, this will be a good one for him to see. I know, exactly. That, that That's going to be, he's going to be like, oh, uh, which yeah. one do you think is going to be his favorite? The I biggest just, one? I just want to hear him say Destoroya. Destoroya. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I'm just going to make him do that. I'm yeah. probably going to show him whenever the uh, the alien part where it sticks into Godzilla Jr.'s and there's oh, blood. Yeah. This is the most violent fight, I will say that. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty brutal. I mean, that, that moment is like, it's really bloody. And you see that thing go inside of him. It's not quite yeah. like some of that Heisei stuff where something just spurts out. It's like, that's yeah. an open wound. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, whenever he like... Um, Destroya does the like slices to Godzilla. It's just brutal. Oh yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. So welcome back after the theometer. It is now time to move into our awards. Alex, we're going to start with you. What was the coolest character award that you gave this week? Uh, I think mine has to be Yukari Yamane. Uh, she takes on, uh, uh, as you call him, a predator destroyer. Uh, 1v1 and lives to tell the tale. She also doesn't take crap from anyone, including Dr. Injun, who she is very skeptical about, but she really, I think she really turns around on him. My only problem with Yukari is that she kind of vanishes in the back half mm. of the movie. Yeah. No, that that's a problem I have just with the film. Yeah, she does. I really liked her too. Um, you mentioned him, Alex, but my coolest character is Dr. Injun. Uh, at first, I thought he was kind of inauthentic and maybe even a little naive. You know, when he starts talking about his belief in science and humanity, but yeah. then as the film progressed, I realized he's actually completely sincere in his optimism in the human race. I was I was a little surprised in how sincere he actually was. 
Um, I need a little bit more optimism myself sometimes. And he's (laughs) definitely a source of optimism in this film. Yeah, he has it in spades. Maybe a little too much. (laughs) (laughs) What about your uh, most memorable line award? For me, it's at the beginning of the film. (laughs) I already know. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, you do. It's when the American scientist is broadcasting at the beginning of the movie. (laughs) You saw me write it down, Alex, whenever it came to it. But he's talking about the thesis um, from Yamane's grandson. And he says, it came through the internet from a Japanese college boy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. (laughs) Yeah, it's not the best. <laughs> what about you, Alex? What was your most memorable line award? Uh, mine is, you're going to have to guess it. <laughs> I know. I already know. That's the, it's the aquarium security guard. It is, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he also says right there, the water ate the fish. Yeah, the water ate the fish. Yeah, I thought he did a really good, it wasn't quite a copy, but it was a nice rendition of Amico from the original. Yes. <laughs> uh no, he was he was my runner up for can't believe the acting award, Alex. But what was your can't believe the acting award? That scream is so bad. Let's just see something. <laughs> but it's for com- it's for comedic effect, to be honest, though, right? Like because in the scene after, <laughs> it's so it's funny. so ridiculous because he has that bag of water on his head. Yeah, that no, guy's no, a bag of ice, for him. a bag yeah, of water. It's a bag of water. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Yeah, anyway. it's, it's pretty funny. But yeah, I, I was actually, uh, I have to say, it's going to be Dr. Uh, oh man, I forgot how we were pronouncing his name. Dr. Ijuan? Ijuan. Yeah, <laughs> we're probably wrong. There that's is okay. no way that's right. <laughs> um, but I'm with you. I, I completely agree with why he was your coolest character. Because he really sold me on like this almost deceptive optimism that he has. And pretty quickly through the film, you realize that he genuinely believes everything that he's doing. And it's like he 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 has too much faith in humanity. And he is the complete opposite of Sirizawa. But their intellect is almost the exact same. But these two, those two characters would not have gotten along with each other. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, that's interesting. They definitely wouldn't have. Yeah, they're, they're pretty stark contrast. Yeah. My can't believe the acting award. Um, I gave her the same award in, in the 1954 Godzilla, but it was kind of, you know, an insincere award. But here I give it sincerely. <laughs> so I've got to show some love to Momoko Kochi as Amiko Yamane here. Yeah. She's not in the film much, but every scene she's in, she brings gravitas to it. Um, and it adds to that nostalgia factor that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said already. My runner-up is Aquarium Security Guard. <laughs> yeah. That guy's epic. It's <laughs> really funny. But I'm right there with you. I actually probably would have picked Momoko, uh, or sorry, Amiko, as my person if you hadn't already. Because she really did. Like, she is so much better now than she was. 40 years did her a world of difference in her acting ability. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, what about your standout effect? Um, it's got to be... That close-up of Godzilla's face when Super X freezes Godzilla. It just 
looks so real. Like mm-hmm. I was like, wow, th- how did they do that? I'm not, yes. I'm not quite sure how they did that, but you get such an animated Godzilla face and then it just slowly freezes and then it spreads throughout his entire body before he falls into the sea. Yeah. I was just really impressed by that moment. I, um, what about I you, Alex? How, yeah. I, I'm like, I kind of like you. I wonder how they did that. Like, was it stop motion? Was it just like some yeah. really good stop motion? I, I don't know. It, it might have been. I should have yeah, looked it up. It's a good question. But uh, <laughs> my, <laughs> mine is just every moment that Burning Godzilla is on the screen, it is just so cool. And seeing that smoke just pour mm. out of him every second <laughs> that he's walking around is really cool. I like the light up effect. I mean, the only thing that could have made that design better and they could do it with today's technology, not back then is if the burning portions moved around a little bit, like they were, they weren't just static images on his body, but really that suit is awesome. And again, those eyes, man, like (laughs) they, they make him look like he is ready to just wreck anything around him for sure. What about your, oh, that's a good shot award? Uh, mine's actually part of one of our least favorite parts of the movie. And it's actually at the 42 minute and 58 second mark where one of the baby uh, destroyers is being melted. When they finally realize that it's heat that kills them or i uh, sorry, extreme temperatures that kill them. But they're throwing flamethrowers. This is right after uh, he, the Yukari Yamane like uh, interaction where he tried to chase her down and they finally cornered the baby destroyer and they burn it alive. But it's accompanied by this really cool low eighties horror music playing that makes it like a really haunting moment. He's covered in fire and pieces of him are just slowly falling off. And he just stares at the camera while he dies. It's, it's a really cool moment. I really like it. What about you? Nice. Yeah. There are a few to choose from here, um, but I'm going to go with the camera pan that pans across the military force that's hand that's tasked to handle Destroya and Godzilla. It's around the 59 minute mark, but it's just, it's like, it just shows you this huge force. And just when you think the camera is done panning, it pans some more to reveal an even bigger force. Um, you get helicopters in the background and it's just kind of like an epic scene. We've never seen a military unit like this many people this many uh, miniatures on set together. It was pretty cool. Yeah. No, it was really cool. And I guess that brings us to our rating and ranking. I'll go first. Okay. Because my opinion is the one that matters. So. <laughs> I would say you saved the best for last. So go ahead, Alex. Yeah. So as a finale to the Heisei series, I think this is pretty good. Like everything has culminated into this moment. God's, we care about Godzilla Jr., and we kind of care for Godzilla and we're looping in the events from the original film directly into this one as a consequence is a really cool idea. And so I like Destroy. I like his design for the most part. And our Godzilla looks amazing and Godzilla Jr. looks amazing. My only problem is, is that a lot of the messages at the beginning are kind of left. Like we get Dr. Yamane's grandson but he's like this generic, I can do everything character. Like he does no wrong. He's like a Mary Sue type mm-hmm. character almost where mm-hmm. there's, there's just no real depth to him, but he can solve every problem. I don't like that. I'm not a big, <laughs> you know, I'm not a big fan of a character that's so shallow like that, but right. can also 
but is also such a pivotal part of the movie. Mm. But what I do like is all the other characters I really like, but they, they throw away like one of my favorite characters at the 40 minute mark. Like I don't remember seeing her again until everyone's crying at the end. And that along with that and the final battle, which I really like, and I really like the payoff that Godzilla jr. Actually survives. So humanity gets this Godzilla that is friendly to humanity. Cause this, you gotta remember this Godzilla likes people. Yeah. So, I like that the implications are is this is nuclear power gone wrong, destroying Tokyo, but it, it's being replaced by nuclear power going right. A friend to humanity to fight any more monsters that come up. It's pretty yeah. cool, but overall, I think the film is actually more shallow than it should have been towards the end. And so mm. with that, I'm going to have to give it three out of five stars. Nice, nice. Where does it rank right now in your Heisei era? It may change by next week, but it's <laughs> where actually, do you think it ranks right now? With that ranking right now, it's in my bottom three. It, it puts it above uh, Godzilla versus Mothra, and it puts mm-hmm. it above, which is my other six out of, or sorry, three out of five star. And then it also puts it above, I believe, one other movie. But I'm I'm blanking on it. But we'll get it in next week for sure. It's gonna be tough when we do our Heisei era show or Heisei hoedown. <laughs> Heisei hoedown, baby. <laughs> when we do our Heisei hoedown, it I might have to go through some of these movies again and really figure out how I really feel about them because they're all as I've done through the series, almost all of them are sevens with a couple of sixes. So mm-hmm. we'll see. I'll be interested to see what I think next week. Well, for me, Alex. In my thoughts in this film, I just think all good things must come to an end. You know, for Godzilla, that end came with Destroya. In Cormac McCarthy's The Road, he says, when you die, it's the same as if everybody else did too. In this film, Godzilla may die without knowing what he leaves behind, but that doesn't mean his death hasn't had ramifications on many. I know many fans, as I mentioned earlier, Alex, that have cried at the ending of this film. And I get it. You know, it's the culmination of years of Godzilla history. We've got tiebacks to the original. Yamane, Serizawa, Amiko, they're all here. They're all characters we love from Gojira, and they get their fair amount of call-outs. I think this just creates a purposeful sense of nostalgia. It's meant to evoke sympathy for not only the characters involved, but for our main guy, Godzilla. But on the other hand, despite that sentimentality, I do have my issues, as I mentioned. Ultimately, for me, I think Destoroya only partially works as a monster. And I think the final battle, the final climactic battle, it ends anticlimactically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thus, I give this film a three out of five stars. It does currently rank, though, above my other three, or my other three-star Heisei films, which are Space Godzilla and Biollante. So it's actually higher on my list in the Heisei era films. Wow. Yeah. I, you know, that's something we didn't really mention, but that final battle was ant- really anticlimactic. When we watched it together the first time, you and me were both like, did Destroya die? <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 did he die? And it's not, the, the final moments of that film aren't made clear about how Destroya dies. Like, he's living and breathing as he's falling. Yeah, he's a little, he's a little cold. But he's living and breathing as he falls down, and then he's yeah. gone. Now, gone. I've read what I've read is that he's frozen, he hits the ground, and then Godzilla's meltdown 
finishes off Destroya, but mm. we don't see that. That could have been a really cool moment watching Destroya go from freezing to melting away. That could yeah. have been an awesome moment. We're kind of deprived of it at the end. Definitely. Well, next week, Alex, listeners are in for a treat. You may have been here for our show at Era <laughs> Showdown, but now it's time for the Heisei Era Hoedown. <laughs> oh uh, which I think feels appropriate. Yes. A hoedown feels more appropriate for the Heisei Era, if I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. It's, it's somehow feels more serious but also more goofy than the show it's era like, which is not just doesn't seem possible <laughs> yeah and we'll get all we'll get into all those nuances next week alex but you're right it feels simultaneously more serious and yet you shouldn't take it quite as seriously <laughs> <laughs> now we'll ask twitter for as much feedback as possible um as we do record a few weeks in advance um but if you're just now listening to this and you want to contribute, we'd still love to feature you on the podcast. If you have any opinions on the Heisei era, which film is your favorite? Which film is the worst? What did you think about our opinions on Godzilla versus Destroya? We want to hear from you. Um, as always, you can follow us on Twitter. Send us a direct message on Twitter at MVM underscore pod. We're on Letterboxd. Leave us a comment there. Alex Cornett and Eric Neely. Uh, or email us, mvmpod at gmail.com. You know what time it is, though, Alex? Uh, until next week, tr- try, try to stay alive. I'll throw you off this time. I didn't do a rhyme, my rhyme. Oh no, let's do it then. Well, how about you just throw this in at the very end? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. This can be the closeout. In the Heisei era hoedown, which characters take the crown and which characters make you frown? <laughs> <laughs> so that one's so bad. <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, it's bad. <laughs> it's not too bad uh if your favorite character is Miki, i think your thoughts are a little leaky <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez oh my gosh